First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome to PRT, that's Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. And uh, with me tonight is my, I have a guest, but I also have a co-host. You want to say hello? Yes, hello, hello, everybody. This is Zane. Zane. Y'all having a good night? And uh, and, and Anthony's sitting in, as always. Uh, and we have a special guest, and it is um, someone that I've been wanting to talk to for a while. But before I introduce her, let me get to the... Uh, the, uh, let me get all these other things out of the way. We have uh, Paranormal Roundtable uh, groups from Facebook. We have Paranormal Roundtable. Then we have Paranormal Encounters, which belongs to Mushu. That's Tony. Then we have Paranormal Lounge, which is Nelly's group. Then we have Whisper to a Scream uh, podcast group, which is Ryan Tremblay's group. And I'm an admin in that group. And I'm also a co-host on that show that comes out every Sunday at 7.15 Central. And then I also have my... I also have my show that drops this one here on Friday. Every Friday, we drop another episode at 7 o'clock. And then we also do a Q&A, which runs anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours, depending upon uh, what, what, what's going on, every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. And we do that. That's all Central Time. Now... We also have prtpodcast.com, prtpodcast.com. That is the website where we have a lot of our shows on the archives. You can also find us on YouTube. That's our main uh, platform, but we're on other platforms. But even if you listen to us on Spotify or Google Tunes or iTunes or, or, or whatever you listen to us on, we ask that you go and like and subscribe because uh, that's how we make uh, um, revenue for the show to keep it going. Uh, we also have a Patreon now that's set up, and we have a uh, uh, ten, five, and I believe three dollar tier. Is that correct, Anthony? Two, two, three, two, three, five, three, five, and ten. Yeah. Okay, so we have a three, five, and ten dollar tiers, uh, and you can support the show that way. Also, uh, like I said, don't forget Whisper to a Screen podcast. That's the, the new the new show that I'm doing with Ryan Tremblay, and we just uh, we're, we're doing that one. So. Uh, don't forget about the book giveaway we do every week. We're going to do it this week, just like we always do. We give away an autographed book from an author. 
And uh, it can be uh, any anybody, uh, Nick Nick Redfern, Ken Gerhard, Linda Godfrey. Uh, there's multiple, multiple art authors that we have autographed books from. And we don't forget about our merchandise from the store, from prtpodcast.com. Also, we do art submissions. And we are doing an art contest that we're going to continue to do throughout the year. We're going to do a different cryptid every three to four weeks. And so um, at this point, at the time of this recording, I don't know exactly which cryptid we're going to be on. but uh, just remember that we have the art contest, the Willie Williams art contest, and in honor of my friend who passed away uh, of brain cancer. So, uh, all that being said, uh, my email address is Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. Send me your stories. Or if I'm on Facebook, uh, send me a message on Messenger with your stories, and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Also on mess on uh, if if you send me a friend request once again I'm going to remind everybody let me know that you're a listener of the show or I will not uh, like accept it. Um, it's just I just try to keep my friends list tight. And if you're a listener of the show, I will accept your friend request as long as you don't do anything that's ridiculously bad. <laughs> and so all that out of the way, I want to introduce my guest uh, Dana Holyfield. Dana, you want to say hello? Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, the question is, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Trying well, to stay warm down here in Louisiana. It's kind of cold. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It, it's Louisiana and Texas. I actually get cold, folks. People are surprised by that. They're surprised that they're like, "Wow, it gets cold down there." Yeah, it does. <laughs> but, yeah, really cold sometimes. And where are you located at? I'm in Slidell, Louisiana, which mm-hmm. is um, New across Orleans. the lake from New Orleans, about 35, 40 minutes from New Orleans. Okay. And in Honey Island Swamp. Honey Island Swamp. And that that is the key, folks. That's what we're here to talk about is the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Dana has been on television with her documentary based on Harlan Ford, who was her grandfather, who was uh, tracking this creature for a, a long time. And, and uh, so him and a, and a friend of his, right, they were, they were looking for this, uh, the, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. And uh, a lot of the locals in that area just swear up and down that this creature exists. And Dana, you're a believer, and you wrote a book about that. Correct. Yes, I wrote a book called Encounters with the Honey Island Swamp Monster and Honey Island Swamp Monster Documentation made a documentary film about it on you and it was my grandfather's story plus I had interviewed like 13 eyewitnesses in the area who also had an encounter or some type of sighting through all that through all your work and and just I mean because you know we're going to go through some of this but what in your opinion like the ultimate conclusion to, to this I mean like if you had to say is it a Bigfoot? Is it a is it a dogman? A you know they call it the Rougarou. Uh, I mean, what do you think it is? Um. Well, from what the the description of what everyone described this thing as looking like, and it would probably be, I would think more in the Bigfoot type family, but he's not as big. I mean, his feet's not as big as what you normally find in the in the um, like big Bigfoot family, and plus they have only four, three web toes and um, 
like a dew claw on the side. So it's di- there's the foot's different, but the way they described it is when it stood up and it had the long hair and the. Um, but then again, I mean, so does what they call the dog man and and different, you know, things. So it's I don't really. It's just I think it's just its own type of thing out there that lives in a swamp type of setting, you know, something that could adapt to being in around water because people, some of the eyewitnesses have seen it swim, swim the bayou or, you know, across the river. And, and, and you would think, you know, living in a swamp, you would have to be able to do those things. And then the, what the, the tracks to me look like they had webbed, like the toes were sort of webbed, like, so, but then other people said they saw it climb up in a tree, you know, that it could climb too. So, but um, I'm not really sh- sure if I would say it's the Rougarou or the, or a, but it could be related. <laughs> I mean, it has to be, it seems like it would have to be, you know, one of the eyewitnesses did say that the face, when they described the face, had a long snap, like more of a smooth long long snout type in the you know in the face area so that sounded more like it could be in the the dog man or rougarou family but so yeah. that so that's your conclusion to it. So there you have it, folks. That's it for tonight. Um, Dana has solved the mystery. It is something that's uh, <laughs> like that. And thank you for coming on, Dana. We appreciate it. Well, see you, folks. Uh, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking, guys. People are, people, people are jumping out of their seat like, what? Because, you know, and I have to preface everything with, I'm just kidding, you know, before we move on, because then everybody gets upset if you don't tell them that, because people take it seriously. So, <laughs> so anyways, I'm just messing with you, Dana. So, so you, you, that is, that's very interesting. And that opens up a, a whole dialogue uh, that we're going to get into because I have a lot of questions. And one of them is, you yourself personally, you've been out there and you've looked for this. Yeah, I grew up out there. Yeah. And you've looked for this thing. You've gone out there and, and, and done your yeah. the, your boots on the ground, as they call it. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been out there. I've, you know, there's been times when you're out there and you hear, hear it and you know that, at least I did, I know what, I, you know, what I, that it had to be the same thing that my grandfather seen and other eyewitnesses that had had some type of encounter where they heard it scream out. And when you hear that, it, it sends chills up your spine. And, but um, I found tracks when we were, you know, been out there. I've seen similar tracks to what my grandfather had found. And, and um, when I've had people call me out there to go look at tracks that they found. And so, uh, and then the camping out, I, I had an experience camping out um, one time with some people and it threw a stick towards our camp. At least I think that's what was throwing. It's like a territorial thing, like it didn't want us there. And and then in the and we put up a motion camera and uh, I heard something in the night from we were in the tents and I heard two like it was walking on two feet. Didn't sound like a hog or something rutting around out there. It sounded like something stepping like a, a person would do almost, but uh, couldn't see it. But when the next morning we took the, the trail cameras cameras with us and went back to the camp, they they had something that had like a it looked like if 
something hairy leaned over and you could see the, the, the edge of it with the hair on it as if it leaned over to look at the, what the camera was. And, and the camera was high up in the tree. So it wasn't like something on, you know, low to the ground, like a hog or, um, but so we don't really know if that's what it was, but I had, I just felt like whatever that was it through the stick at us and also we had heard something beating on a tree like far off as we were setting up camp and I just felt like you know that was probably what that was didn't want us out there because we were way out there in the middle of nowhere it was like you know as a terrorist I felt it was a territorial like you know so how large how large there was another time Huh? I'm sorry, you go ahead. How large? Yeah, I was going to say how large oh. is this creature said to be? Well, my grandfather described it as, stand, he was six foot four, and it was a little bit taller than him. He, he would say about seven, around seven foot. Um, he said the shoulders were very, you know, large shoulders. It had long arms that hung way down and long hair around the face area, like it was his face. The face area was a little, didn't have the hair on it, but around it, he said the hair hung way down almost to the ground and the arms were very long. But when it stood up and faced them, he said the thing he remembered most was the eyes looking at him. He, had the, he said it had these big amber colored eyes, very intense, staring down, you know, just staring really hard and it turned and ran and you know, they, cause they were trying to get their guns out cause they didn't know what it was going to do. He said, but this thing had that, had a look to it that it scared the hell out of him. He said, you know, he'll never forget those eyes. And, um, he said, said they didn't think to look up in the trees. They never heard it break water. They did, they couldn't see where it went to, but they never thought to look up. And then later we had heard other some other eyewitness said that it, you know, it does climb in trees because they saw it up in a tree. So it's a big, he said it also weighed about 400 pounds by the tracks, you know, when they cast the tracks and he took the tracks to like a wildlife and fisheries agent that he knew. And then they turned them over. They brought them to the LSU zoology department who looked at them. And, and um, I think he said they even had sent them to uh, the uh, Smith Smithsonian uh, Institute, um, but they the people at LSU said that um, they couldn't identify what you know they they believed him they just couldn't identify what type of animal had made them. And and so you've been out in the field you've looked for this thing. Harlan and his friend had their encounter, and now they he he was so doggedly determined to to find this creature. He actually got a f- footage, uh, an eight millimeter film. Right. He had um, after that first encounter, which happened in 1963, he started bringing his. He had a uh, one of the eight millimeter film cameras that he used to use to take video. First, he took video of the family, of course, but he also started taking the video camera with him every time he would go out there just in case he would ever, you know, see this thing again. And then um, I guess it, it had to have happened because we don't really know when he got got the film because we didn't discover it till years after, you know, he had died. 
actually it's when I, you know, my grandmother found the box that had all these eight millimeter films in it that were labeled. Some of them were labeled like alligator, uh, deer, or, you know, egret. He filmed, he liked to take pictures of the wildlife. And then that one reel had Honey Island Swamp Monster written on it with a piece of masking tape. And uh, my grandmother's like, I don't know what this is, but you, you're welcome to look, you know, use it if you can. And so she had the old eight, uh, the projector, and we set it up in the kitchen on the white wall, and we were all standing around waiting to see what was gonna, what we were gonna see, and we were stunned to see this thing walking across the, you know, in the far distance. He was up in a tree blind, and. So I said, well, it looked like he got closer than we thought he did the second time. And then I asked her, why do you think he didn't let anyone know about this tape? And she said that probably when it first, when he first had the sighting and then he found the tracks and then he, the tracks ended up, you know, the local news got wind of it and and then it, then he did that show in search of come to interview him with Leonard Nimoy. And, and he was also on, on there with, uh, another old trapper called Ted Williams. And after that aired, then people just, it went crazy around. My grandmother said it was like monster mania. Everybody wanted to come down here to hunt the honey island monster. They were coming with guns and they were going to go shoot it. And the game warden had to ward off people telling them, you can't go in the swamp. Just shoot at anything, and they were afraid people were going to end up shooting each other because people go in the swamp that's not familiar with it. You get spooked out there and turned around and see something and just shoot. You know, like it could be a, any, you know, a human. They would shoot by accident. So my, she said he probably that was one reason, and also she remembered saying that he just wanted to find out more about this thing and and get to, you know, cl- as close as he could and. So it was like he he had this, and but we didn't know until she found it after he had died in his belonging. In in the swamp is not the place to go running around because I mean you can get lost, no. you can get killed <laughs> really easily. quickly, very easily. There's a lot of stuff that can kill you out in the swamp. And then it's interesting too. Yeah. You said that this thing has like webbed feet, so it's like adapted to the water. I have gotten, I've filled the many reports of these things swimming. Uh, they're mm-hmm. actually excellent swimmers. Uh, you know, Lake, Lake Stanford yeah. comes to mind. I, I did a, when I interviewed a, a guy that was uh, uh, telling me about a, a dog man that was swimming out, and, you know, and the way it was swimming, he said it was just like, just, just moving along, you know, like just, and it was moving quickly toward their boat. And uh, he thought, okay, well, we're just going to start the boat and take off. And then the thing stands up because it's not that deep and then realized that it was pretty shallow <laughs> and it just started running toward them, you know, and, and he had a really good look at it. He had a, the detail was, was pretty amazing. Like him and his friend, they said it had like part of the, the, the right side of it. I think the right side of its mouth or something was, was tore up or maybe it was the other side, but they said that it was like, you could see like it was a scar on its face. So, you know, it was, it was that close that they could see that, you know, and, and it was, but it, but these things are excellent swimmers. These 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 cryptids that I've encountered, uh, you know, I've interviewed people about. So people think, well, if you you know maybe if you run in the water and you can get away from them or something. No, they swim pretty good. I mean, canines are good swimmers, but uh, Bigfoot. There are lots of reports of Bigfoot in the swamp too. They can swim. 
So either way, yeah. you know, you have, you know, so people going out into the swamp, it's a very dangerous, uh, adventure, you know, to, to go out there. And then if they're half cocked and scared, you know, shooting each other, there's no telling what could happen. So I think it was smart, um, yeah. on your grandfather's part, not to, not to add fuel to the fire. I have a question about that too. When you were little, um, did you spend time with him, like going out there, do anything like that? Yeah, I, I didn't. He didn't. We we went out, you know, not look. He, I didn't know we were looking for anything. He just, he, <laughs> I'm sure he was looking while we were there. But we went. We've been camping and going on fishing. I've been fishing with him, but um, I just remember growing up, this him telling me we were, you know, sitting at the kitchen table one time, and he was telling me. I asked him about it, you know, because I'd heard, you know, my mom had told me and. Yeah, but she was she when she when he seen it the first time she was you know she remembered him coming in and him and he was with his friend Billy Mills who was his co a coworker and also his hunting buddy and to tell telling the family what had happened and she said you know so of course I wanted to ask him questions about it as I got older and and he told me you know he's like yeah and you know I did see something and it wasn't like anything I'd ever seen before. Um, it wasn't really, he, he said it's almost, it was too human to shoot that he would, you know, he said, I would only shoot it if it would have come at me. He said, cause it looked too human to, 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 you know, cause he was a big hunter and, and fisherman out there, but he said it, it scared him. I, and I, I remember him saying it, it was very scary, it scared the hell out of him. Is what he said. And, you know, just hearing how, my uncle also was telling me that he used to be one that would go out there. They built that camp out in the middle of the swamp and he would never lock the doors up until when that happened, he used to take a rope and tie the door shut. Tie him in at night just because he knew what was out there. He It didn't scare him enough to where he wouldn't go hunting out there, go stay at the camp, but he always had his gun ready, you know, because he said this thing was menacing looking. It was pretty scary did he think there was a, a a population of them or if it was was it just like a one-off well he did yeah he he found different size tracks out there and then another the other eyewitness in that time around that time was the the old man ted williams the trapper he said that he would see him swimming in pairs across where he would go fishing and running his lines and his traps and he said they would get so close to the boat sometimes and he would just sit there and, and he said they were so close one time they got out and they shook off and the, the the water he was close enough he could feel the water and he said they'd go on about their way in the in the woods and, he, and they said they never bothered him so he left he never bothered them and but he, he was one that come up missing out there and never was found, you know. Well, actually, I take that back. We thought for many years he never was found, but he was his one of his, I think, it was grandkids contacted me a few years ago to tell me that she wanted to let me know they did find his body. Now I'd always heard his body was never found, and you know his boat or any, you know, they found his boat, but they didn't find him. Like he fell out the boat or or something happened, but. She told me they did find him, but she never said how he died, you know, like what, what, 
was the cause of death. And then there was another man that can't, went out there looking. He had seen it, and he come up missing out there, and he was never heard from again. And uh, his grandson contacted me a couple of years ago to tell me what really like this what happened and and to it was a very um uh, interesting scary thing he he didn't want me to use his name or to tell tell you know because of the family but I'm, i've been trying to contact him see if he would be willing to talk about it and could i could you know if he was ready to let me tell him who he was who they were but so it was just you know yeah i've heard a lot of a lot of things that go, you know, and a lot of people are, don't want their, they they just don't want people to know because they, they're afraid people think they're crazy or, you know, but he said his grand, grandmother and them kept it for a long time, just like the, he just disappeared out there, but he actually went out there to hunt. He said he knows where the den was and he was going out there to kill it and they never found him again. Oh, well, I guess he didn't succeed. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! I don't guess so. Yeah, yeah. That, that was many years ago. But I, I'd, I'd heard that I'd heard that he disappeared and he, and that he, he had gotten too close. They told him he got too close. You were getting too close to him. And then I always, I didn't know if that was true or not because I'd never met the man. I just heard about it. But then when the grandson contacted me to tell me the story, you know, I said, oh, well, maybe it's true. Let me ask, let me ask you a question, Dana. Like you had said that 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 most of the eyewitnesses describe it as a. You would say, you know, not putting things into a box, but you know, you would say it was more like a, more like a Sasquatch type creature. But then then, the dog man kind of came up because you said that that there was a snout on some of these. So do you think there's maybe two two different things going on there? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Be you know, because of the, a lot of the eyewitnesses that describe it have pretty much all described, you know, something tall with broad shoulders that stood on two feet with the long hair that hung down. It was like a muddy grayish kind of look, you know, type of hair, like almost mossy looking, but it, but like matted and tangled because it was, it's out in the swamp, you know, getting all wet and uh, muddy. But, um, but because it walk it it walks on two legs and um I don't know I, I don't know, it could be, but um I don't know. They would have to <laughs> hope their friend they get along if they are. <laughs> yeah, well or maybe they just avoid one another because <clears throat> yeah, I know <laughs> you know, in a lot of areas that I've in, investigated, you know, done investigations with Devil's Backbone, uh the LBL. I haven't been to the LBL and I don't plan to go there. I don't I don't wanna be around them. But, you know, I know that, like, there's one area where the Bigfoot are and then the one area where the Dogmen are. And it's kind of like that. It's like north-south, but it, in Devil's Backbone, it's kind of east-west. You have one area where it tends to be sort of Dogman terrain, and then the other side is Bigfoot terrain. And when I was interviewing uh, Linda Godfrey, who's done a lot of work, you know, wrote, wrote, written a lot of books about the Dogman, um, that's one of the things that she pointed out too, is they tend to stay to their own areas and, uh, everybody's kind of got their own opinion about that. But that's kind of been my experience. You know, when I took a map 
and I looked at the devil's backbone. That's an area here in, te- in central Texas. We noticed like a, like a little, uh, if you put a red dot on the map, you know, and me and my brother did this, uh, you know, a few years ago, and we were just kind of like dotting it out of, of the reports we had gotten from the Dogman, Bigfoot, and believe it or not, Goatman. Goatman were all centered around this area called Purgatory Road. And then the Dogman reports were on one side of the map. And then the Bigfoot were on the other side of the map. The Bigfoot were like in the, I believe, the west side. And then the east side was like Dogman territory. And then in this valley, it was kind of a mixed bag in the valley, which is called the Haunted Valley. It is like the separating point. You could literally see that that was the separation point. So like once you crossed in from that valley, and and Zane, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and Anthony, you know where we when we go to that little rest stop right there. Yeah. That valley, <clears throat> you overlook that rest area where all the little co- the keys are from the people who've died. Right. Okay. Uh, and that and that's another thing too. There's been a lot of accidents because it's a very dangerous, windy road. Yeah. Um. But people have hung locks out there in in memory of people who've passed away. Um, so there's like this, uh, you could see down into the valley. And if you just look to the left, that is like the dividing line. It's like, there's a bunch of Bigfoot reports. And then you look to the right, that's where all the dogman reports are. Yeah. It's like two separate areas, two separate areas. I mean, it's very, it's very weird. And it's an area where the Comanche and the different, uh, types of Apache, uh, Indian had, had, they roamed around all over that area. They say there's gold out there somewhere. And there's gold buried out there. And a lot of people claim that they're. Still seeing native ghosts to this day. They see these these cryptids, and it's just a very spooky and, and weird place. People see Confederate soldiers running around out there, um, conquistadors, monks. Uh, but the the thing about the swamp is that uh, if I could ever avoid it, I will. Because <laughs> it's just like I, you got to go down there no, at some point. Like some I know nice you have places out there. Yeah. Really pretty. But when 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 you think yeah, of the swamp, you know, it conjures up. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dana. Uh, as long as you're, you know where you're at, and you can get out of there, so it's got some pretty places up in there. I always think of like you're just gonna have to tromp through water, you know, like like like. Yeah, we well, we go on a boat. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, I mean we will get out on land when there is land, but sometimes the river's so high there is no land out there. Yeah, so these things would have to be com- like like pretty aquatic right yeah i mean you have a lot of natural predation too you would kind of have to take care of like alligators like yeah just stuff gators everywhere i mean but it really depends on how far into the swamp you go like slidell's farther north of new orleans by like maybe 30 minutes north i think something like that across the lake yeah yeah and i think it gets wetter up there but i think that area more is, is 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 more swamp like you know with like marshlands and stuff like that and i think if you go to some other places there's more dry areas it just depends on what place you know you end up going but that one specific area is a lot more wet and you know you you have to you have to think too that louisiana is already under sea level so like if it even rains a day like it's gonna be just nasty it's it's just you know there's nowhere for it to go it just builds up and you know, well, I, I went out to, to to New Orleans. I've been I've been through there once. Yeah, and I went through that area where Slidell, you know, right. And I, my, a buddy of mine years ago, um, he was kind of a nefarious guy, and he's, <laughs> he's still a friend of mine. We're all reformed people now, but at one time we weren't always on the up and up guys. And uh, he wanted me to go to this abandoned house where he had, um, you know, help him 
you know, dig up something. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be at the skeleton key house with, with the gators. <laughs> and it literally looked like that. And I was like, nah, dude, you're on your own. You go ahead. You know, oh, yeah. like, and like, you it's go a- ahead and go into that house and you do, dig out whatever you got to get out. And you left in there. I'm not. And then while I'm sitting there, I'm hearing splashing noises because the water is just right there. Yeah. So I ran inside because I got tired of being around what obviously were some sort of creatures running, you know. Yeah. And and I, and I, and I've been in swampy areas in Central America, and I was just like, I, I don't want to deal with that because uh, I got knocked off my feet one time by a caiman. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it was. It, I think it was because I, I kicked it like on accident, and it, and it, luckily for me, it wasn't like a large, you know monster or anything he just knocked right. me off my feet and i was like i i never ever wanted to be in that sort of uh environment or water again so that was the one time where i was ever in that sort of environment and i was like you know i'm not doing this and then we went to new orleans and i didn't really get to go into the nice areas the tourist areas whatever it was just you know in and out and then uh, never went back, but I have a lot of friends and of course saying you stayed there you know, yeah they're always like come to new orleans come check it out blah 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 and uh and of course we got reports of the uh of a security guard who used to work at for the uh Six Flags. Oh yeah, the abandoned one. The abandoned yeah. Six Flags, yeah. yeah. And it was apparently um another time where it had rained really heavily. And then right after that as the water was starting starting to subside, yeah. uh he got a report, you know, um of one of his guards, like he was the field captain, I guess it would be the equivalent of the field captain that called in and said, Hey, I saw something walking around out here. He said, well, was it a person? And he goes, I I don't know what it was. So he went to go back him up. That guard handed him the keys and said, I'm out of here. Goodbye. And left. And so then he called the police. The police came and they said, you know what, kid, you're on your own. You want to go dig around and check around out there. You go ahead because we don't go in there. And they literally left him by himself. So curiosity, he drove in there. As subsequently, he became a police officer out here in Central Texas, and he was a security at that time. So he drove in there in his little truck, and there were certain spots where it was flooded out, like you couldn't get to. You know, it's been abandoned for a long time, and uh, he saw something really weird, like run across uh, the road, and he was just like, "I'm out." And to this day, he couldn't tell me what it really was. He just kind of got the, the side and back glimpse of it. It was a large, hairy creature that was covered in wet, like mud. And that was the description he gave me. And uh, he had, you know, he, he never really went into to more detail about it. You know, of course, he's, he's a police officer now in Central Texas, and he didn't want to, you know, I guess to say too much. But he told me and, and a couple of our, my friends about it, and he backed out and he took off. And so you get these reports of these, uh, these hairy, uh, creatures, you know, in, in these swampy areas and they, they are living in a hostile environment. You know, I mean, you're living around gators and, and they also have a hog problem similar (laughs) to ours and hogs everywhere. So you have to be a tough SOB to not only live in that area, but to thrive and, and create a breeding population of whatever your species is. You, you have to be pretty tough. And that one area, too, is pretty cut off, I think. I mean, I've only seen, like, bird's eye view images of it, like, the actual facility. And it looks very, like, 
I don't even know why they would have security there. Like, there's nothing really to guard. Like, it's kind of just all overgrown. Well, I think it's more of an insurance thing. Yeah. Because I mean, if somebody like, goes in there and gets hurt, because yeah. they still have not, the, the whoever owns the property could still be sued. I think that's yeah. why. Yeah, but it's it like seems we you were have to doing, go kind of out of your way to get there, though. It well, just well, it yeah. wouldn't be people. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but people do go in there because it's been graffitied up and everything oh, yeah. else, because I've yeah, seen yeah. pictures. I know that, you know, there was a place where, where Anthony and you and me, and we all guard, your uncle, mm -hmm. Russ, we all guarded uh, back in the spring. I think it ended in the summer, and it was completely destroyed. Yeah. But we had to we had to guard it because people that owned it they right. had an insurance deal. Yeah, had. yeah. So that, that I think that's more along the lines of what they're doing there because somebody has to be be responsible for that. Well, I would hate to be the dude who works that shift. Yeah, and they, and they do have people that do it. Yeah, and this guy told me he goes, I worked it. And uh, he goes, I don't want to say, you know, too much. And he didn't know me that well at that time, you know, and he was, he told me a little bit about it, you know, and yeah, the NOPD is notoriously hands off too. So, oh yeah, they showed up and they were like, yeah, well, take it easy. And then he, he said that, you know, even one of them mentioned the loop guru. Yeah. yeah he yeah. said, it's probably a loop guru. Uh -huh. And then he said, this one cop was like, that's probably a loop guru. You better get out of here, boy. And then he just left. Yeah. And so he was just like, what in the heck is a loop guru? Cause this guy was from Kentucky originally. And he's like, what is a Luguru? You know, and so then he dated this girl and, and she used to work at the, in the French Quarter. And she told him, she's like, oh, the Luguru is basically like the same thing. Because in Kentucky, they have these stories of these canids, upright canids. She's like, it's a werewolf. And he goes, oh, my gosh. And like, so y'all have them here, too. And she's like, oh, yeah. But you see, like, I always consider like New Orleans werewolves, like the OG werewolves. You know? Yeah. They're, because Louisiana was just there first. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like, well, you got vampires historically too. speaking, yeah. And I mean, I'm not kidding. I don't know, Dana, if you know much about the vampires, but I've gotten some stories out of there that would just, I mean, crazy stuff. Like people talking about, you know, feeling like they're being hypnotized by someone. And the next thing you know, they're in their apartment. And then this one guy, he left, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but he left off, off of their balcony. And uh, it was a story I told on the show before and, and. I've since then, since that episode, I've gotten two or three more. And I had a guy that went to New Orleans to hunt Dogman and ended up going into a club. And he believes, and, and he told me and you, Anthony, and, and uh, uh, who are we with? Sal, the old co host. And, uh, and he said that, you know, there was, he thought that they were, they were going to be, you know, something was going to happen to him. I mean, there was this, this nightclub. And then the next day, they went to that area to look for that place, and it was just a, a warehouse. It was just like a bu abandoned building. There was no nightclub there. Yeah, I I have one kind of encounter. I think I don't know if it's a vampire or not. I kind of thought it was maybe like a ghoul or something of some sort. But I can even tell you the intersection that I was on when I saw it, and it was me and one other person. Uh, his name was Jacob, and he was a good friend of mine. And we were walking back to the house, and uh, you know how the highway they have those little like uh they have like an underpass you can walk through to like get on like the other side and usually that means that you're entering like another part of the neighborhood so i was walking through the french quarter going north towards metairie and uh i was about to cross the highway there and i was maybe two blocks away and it was like three in the morning and there was just this very pale like he didn't look dead or decayed or like anything like just real weird like that. But there was just something off about him. He was very, I don't know, kind of formless in the way he moved and real just like stoic. And he kind of passed us. And like, I thought it was weird because I didn't give him like too, 
too much of a second glance, but like once he passed me, like I, you know, like that heightened fear sense just kind of goes up. Like you get that weird like feeling of just you know something's not you know great, and then he kind of makes us like a like a comment, like you know, hey, did like you see that guy? And like I turn around and I look, and he's not there at all. And we're we're down the road. There's nowhere that he could have like turned. There's no like he was gone. house. Yeah, there was nothing like and he and like he was just gone. And that's the, the first and last time that I ever had a kind of encounter like that. And that wasn't too, too, too short after like talking with somebody like, you know, very much like you do with, you know, like the natives of New Orleans. That's usually a topic that people bring up a lot is, you know, they're like the only city with real vampires. You mm-hmm. know, like it's a well, they're not the only city, but they're definitely a city that has them. Yeah. That. So that heightened sense, that's what you were talking about, Dana, when you were out. Uh, and you said that you, when the stick got thrown at you guys, you felt like there was this heightened sense of, uh, like a fear. You could feel it. Yeah. Palpable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. When, when there was that... another time. Yeah, go, I was going to ask about go that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, another time when I, we had a camp out there and the men had gone across the river left. I was there on, at, we, it was like the, I, our camps on an island type. And uh, the they left me. I had my daughter. She was like a baby at the time. <laughs> and they left me on the island by myself. And, and they took across the river to go hunting, coon hunting or whatever with their coon dogs. And, and so I'm, and the water was up high during that time of the year. It was all the way to the back of the camp. Um, and I could hear something like something walking in the water. And then it hit the side of the camp whatever it was, it scared me half to death. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, here I am by myself out here with, you know, no one's on the island. It's just me and my baby. You know, she was a baby at the time, and, and my hu- husband at the time was running across the river, and he couldn't have heard anything. So, But that feeling of being, okay, what is that hitting the side of the camp? You know, like definitely just because you get, I heard the water, you know, something walked in the water and then boom and it's like huh <laughs> so uh, i just sat there and i'm looking you know looking around thinking what you know what am i going to do if it comes to that door oh but, my god did yeah, you have, did you yeah. have a, a firearm at least? well there was we had them in there but i i wasn't really familiar with that particular type of know? weapon yeah. and I, but i said i'll figure it out if i have to but, <laughs> yeah you better because uh, i mean <laughs> that, that, you know, that is such a, it's just a, to me, that region, that area is such a creepy place. My, 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 uh, cousin actually played baseball for in, down in Louisiana. I can't remember what school it was. And then, then for, for like a year or so, I want to say Lafayette, but I'm not for sure if that's the school he played for. And I know for years he lived in Alexandria and then he ended up moving uh, back to Texas and playing his last two years of college ball at, at Texas A&M. He was a pitcher, Clayton Turner. But uh, I know that that, that uh, area, you know, of Louisiana, it's always I've – been, I've, been, I've been all over Louisiana, Baton Rouge, I've been to Bossier, I've been all up and down, up and down, and I've been all over it. And it's always given me the creeps. I was, on, I was in a vehicle one time uh, on the border of Mississippi and Louisiana, and the vehicle broke down. And I was a young guy, and I just remember, you know what? I'm just going to take a nap, and because you know, I was just there was nothing we could do, and and we were waiting on someone, uh, we were, or we were waiting on daylight so we could walk, you know, and and 
the people I was with, they, they were responsible for the upkeep of that vehicle, not me. And so I was like, I'm not walking. You can walk to the next city. I'm just going to wait here until you come back. So, and, and they started walking right before uh, daybreak. And then it felt like something bumped the, the, the vehicle. And I just remember thinking, man, this is the creepiest area. And so I just like, I just was like, you know what? I just put my jacket over my, my head and just waited until daylight. And then at the daylight, somebody's knocking on, this is just a trooper, you know, you're knocking, you need some help. And I was like, yeah, my friend and his girlfriend went to go get, you know, help, whatever. And then they came back with a, with a, a tow truck. And then we ended up getting a ride back into town, whatever. Cause we didn't have, this was back. We didn't have cell phones. This was nineties. And so we had to walk. And then that, but that officer sat there, you know, BSing with me for a while. And, uh, he was, he was basically like no bones about it. You know, he was like, yeah, we've had some people go missing in this area. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I told him, I said something bumped <laughs> oh, yeah. into the vehicle and he goes, well, it might've been an alligator. It might've been a freaking hog. He's no telling, you know? And so I was like, yeah, well, I didn't get out to inspect. I'm good, you know? And so he was a very nice guy and he kind of hung out there with me for a little bit. And then, and then you know, and then my friends made it back and, and we went into town and, and, and but but that whole area just gives off a vibe, and I mean, and live in, I could never live in that area. I know if you guys have grown up there, and, and you know you're from there, you know I get it. But I just couldn't I couldn't live in that area where everything in the water has something predatory, you know, like that. I just can't. I just couldn't do it, and I just it's not it's not, it's not a way for me to live. I mean, so you <clears throat> grew up in that area. You grew up around that area. And let me ask you another question. Yeah. Going out in the swamp with Harlan, your grandfather, okay, who uh-huh. you know has kind of, he kind of put Honey Island on the on the map with the stories of this creature. Uh, did he ever? Did he ever tell you that he he was taking you along as bait? Did he ever? <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't tell me that. But he, I remember he had this goat that he was going to go stake out and we and we the kids he brought this goat home and 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 he had it out in the yard and we were playing with the goat you know all day to the next day i let it he's he's taking the goat off with the leash and i'm like where are you going with the goat and and he's like i'm gonna use it for bait to see if this won't this thing's gonna come after it and um he, he was gonna get up in the tree blind and stake the goat out and we were we were horrified as kids. Oh my God, it's gonna eat the swamp. The swamp monster's gonna eat the goat. And so at the end of the day, he come back with the goat, and he said that the is probably too either vegetarian or he was too smart for him, you know. And so we were happy he brought the goat, brought the goat back. <laughs> and you were like, "What? Well, it, it was usually me that stood underneath the tree, Grandpa. Why do you need the goat?" And I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just stay there still underneath the tree. It's a game we're playing. But so you went with him, you went with him out there, and 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 you there. And was there any times when you were a child that when you were out there that you felt uneasy or you saw like you maybe something that? Um, we, well, as a child, I guess we spent so much time on our. We had a houseboat out there, and every weekend we were out there on the houseboat um, for the weekend, and then um, then later when I got older, we built a. They had a camp that was when our houseboat saw, and uh, the the camp around the bend is where we ended up going every weekend from then on, and but just being out there. Um, as a child, 
I, I was more adventurous when I was young because <laughs> I didn't think about the dangers, you know, of like now, like if if my children do the things I used to do, I would have a heart attack. <laughs> but like yeah. one time, I jumped. I would jump off the top of the houseboat in the in the river, and we would float on life jackets all the way from to the boat launch, was pro- which was probably about a mile down the river at right at dark where the alligators come out. <laughs> oh my god! Snapper turtles, you know. But as a kid, I didn't think about that being. You know, I, I remember that's at just that part time, of the adventure. As it's getting dark, starting to think, huh? Yeah, I remember Daddy telling me about the alligators that night. They hunt at night, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so and I started getting, you know. But I, I, it, I wasn't terrified as like I would be now if my children was to, if my daughter decides to jump off into the river and swim at night all the way to the land, and I, I wouldn't like that at all. But when you're out, I mean, out there, you, you just feel like I, I can remember being scared at times when we were sitting around a campfire and hearing something in the woods in the background. And I always would remember, you know, my grandfather's story about what he had encountered and uh, hearing other people talk about what they had encountered. So, yeah, I was always on it, you know, looking over my shoulder, like what is going to come out of them woods? Mm-hmm. <laughs> at any oh, given yeah. time and and but you know you live out there so you got to just deal with it and let me ask you this dana it's you just, these these encounters you got um like like can you give us uh, a couple of these encounters like tell me what the descriptions like what happened to these people well uh yeah let's see we had I'll pull my book out here and I could read, I could read you this part on the back of where my grandfather, this was how, what my grandfather wrote about what happened. Um, and the name of the book. You want me to read that one? Yeah. Just it, 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 honey on the swamp monster documentations. And this was just the um, part of what, of the story I pulled out. It says we were walking fast with a heavy load when we saw the hind quarters of what appeared to be a large animal standing on four legs in the trail. That was my grandfather wrote this. We were used to seeing all sorts of known animals in this swamp area, but as we approached within 20 feet, Bill exclaimed in a loud voice, what the hell is that thing? The creature had evidently failed to hear us approaching up the trail, but at the loud sound of Bill's voice, it swung around and faced us. This thing glared at us in a ferocious manner for only a split second, then rose up and ran on its hind legs, disappearing over a mound of briars and brush. It was about seven feet tall and would weigh approximately 400 pounds. Wow. That was his his encounter. But um, The legs, were they canine-like or were they human-like? Human like? He just said it stood up on two legs and ran off mm. like away from them as they were trying to pull their guns out of their uh, back. You know, they had their guns packed away because they were actually, they were going through a clearing that they, a trail they had made to get to this area, this campsite they were building and they were bringing supplies. So they had everything, they were carrying stuff and, and they were walking down that trail when they come up on it. That was the first time in 63. But, um, they have. I, I have some other eyewitness stories. Like um, I read this out of the book. 
<clears throat> from like Denny Crawford said, uh, he was on, I was on a three wheeler when I spotted a large animal crossing a slough moving quickly up the levee. And he thought it was a bear at first. And then he goes on to t- talk about how he went after it. And, and then as he's getting, he kept hearing something rip bark out of a, like it was breaking bark and chew, like smacking as if it was eating bugs out of a tree or something. And he said he'd come up on it and he was looking through the brush at it. And he said the, the width of its shoulders and how big it was. And he said it had a, a more of a flat back instead of it being rounded like a bear. And he said that he knew if he shot and missed or, you know, didn't kill it, it was, and he only had that one bullet. He said he just started backing up, you know, away from, you know, and then he turned and ran back to his three wheeler and got out of there. But, um, because he said he wouldn't want to shoot and miss and have that big thing come after yeah, him. Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be then, a horrifying uh, prospect. Another guy mm. named Fred Lehman, he said he took this gal out uh, to his buddy's camp, and um, it was way out in the middle of the swamp, and, and it started raining really bad. And um, he said that uh, this suddenly the wind broke, and this fist slammed through it it was a hairy fist and it broke the window and this girl that he was with she started screaming and and he got a shotgun and he and he blew the door open and started to shoot and he said it was a bunch of them roaming around in the rain like these hairy looking things roaming around he said he shot towards them and they scattered and then he said that, you know, by, by the time the morning came, that girl, she, she took her out of there. She said she never would go back camping with me again, <laughs> which I, I don't blame. Oh, man, blame who would? <laughs> yeah. But um, that was, he said it was like a territorial thing. Like, they didn't want him there. And he, you know, they broke his, broke through the window. <clears throat> and then, uh, let's see, this woman, uh, Deborah Chester, uh, this was more a more recent over the last, probably in the last 10 years, maybe, or maybe five years, she said that um, she was going down the road. And this wasn't really in the swamp. This was close to the swamp, but it was more of like an area that had farms with cows and, you know, pastures with animals. And she said that uh, this thing crossed, this creature crossed the the road in front of her and, um, and jumped over this gate and disappeared in the woods. So she got, and she said that she could see it had long hair on its hanging from its arms. And, and when it went over the fence, she said that she knew it wasn't human. She'd never seen anything like it. And, and, um, and that was uh, probably an hour from, from where we are here driving wise, but the swamps like this honey on part of this honey on swamp connects to the Bogachitta swamp, which is further up that way where she is. And so it was probably the same creature. It's just maybe going to get food out in the pasture or something. I don't know. What, but, uh, um, what, uh, what a color was the hair of uh, this? Yeah, the, the fur hair. She yeah. said it was like a, let me see if where I wrote this. She said that it was, had long hair hanging from its long arms and it was, walk like a human but it wasn't human she i don't think she really said told me what color <clears throat> or maybe she did i just didn't write it in here but 
she just said she remembered it was hanging like if its arm was sticking out it would be hanging from the like all the way you know for ways off the arm and another another more recent in the last 10 years was uh this guy jerry roth told me that he had um a can he had a camp out there and he'd gone out there and there was he had a generator running and he said that um he went in this camp all of a sudden his generator went off and he thought that's odd so he knew he'd had filled it up with gas or whatever and he goes out there and as he walks up to the generator he saw this thing standing by it like huge and he said he turned and went back quickly to his camp and he said it wouldn't leave, so he had this flare gun, and he shot shot out. And he said this thing was got up in the tree, and it stayed there all, you know, for, you know, it wasn't going anywhere till daylight. And he, even though he would shoot flares out to try to scare it off, and he said he, ne- he didn't go back to his camp out there for like two years. And then he finally went back out there, but, you know, so he said it turned his generator off. <laughs> it must have not have liked the sound of the generator because the generator is pretty loud and it ripped it ripped the ripped it loose from whatever it was, you know. And so, but so yeah, they've had a lot of stories like that and um, a lot of different eyewitnesses in the area over the years. That's what inspired me. Besides my grandfather's story, just hearing coming across people that would come to our camp or whatever and be talking about it and I'd hear and then I'd end up hearing their story or they'd say so-and-so saw and then I would get their name and go try to find them and talk to them and and that's what kind of inspired me to write the book and do the documentary film because I didn't realize that Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. There, there, there. You were on. Uh, what, what show was it on? You were on a, a show too. I can't remember what it was. I saw Mysteries it. at the museum. No, I saw you on on a TV show. I was just flipping through on Travel Channel, or I don't remember which. There's only really one show I watch on there every once in a while, and it's uh, I think it's uh, uh, these woods are haunted. And I did a spot for them. And they had on, as of, as of this uh-huh. when this airs. I don't know if they have released it or not, but it was. Uh, a show that I did with them because I'm friends with the producer, but I, I, I'm trying to remember what show you were on, and they showed your grandfather's eight millimeter footage of the creature. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, it, and yeah. was it Monster Quest? I think it was either Mysteries at the Museum, or I've been on several shows that air on the Travel Channel. And they usually all try to, you know, show that footage. They always usually ask if they could show it, and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's compelling. I mean, I, I, I saw it and I was like, I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And what was, what was cool was like, I, I watched it and it wasn't even that long ago. And my wife's like, aren't you friends with her? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, she's on my Facebook. <laughs> I should probably hit her up and then we could, we could, you know, and then, and then we started corresponding back and forth for months and we never could coordinate when we could get it done. Um, we're both very busy, busy people, you know, and then we, I don't know how many times we set up a time, Hey, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll talk tonight. And then we just, we'd, we'd message back and forth and then never, we never could get connected. And I, and finally I told myself, I got to get this done, you know, and, and I just been wanting to interview you for a while and, and get the Honey Island Swamp, uh, my, my, cause my, uh, my cousin Clayton's wife's from Louisiana and she, they, they asked me if I had ever heard of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. And I said, yeah, and I actually know 
uh, a person that's kind of the authority on that's you. And I was like, and she's she's on my Facebook, and his wife's like, really? And I was like, yeah, she she's yeah. They she they asked me about that if that I knew, you know, you know about that the creature, you know. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've definitely haven't researched it as much as you have, but I've come across it. I had someone who claimed to have been out on a boat, alligator hunting in the area in in, in this uh, bayou. Uh, and down in the bayou, and that, and you know, and they told me that they saw something on the shore, but that the hair on this creature in in the sunlight looked almost blonde. And I thought that was huh. weird. I thought that was really weird. And they said that it was it it looked um, like it had blondish brown hair, like like a, a human would have really, but like if a person was just really hairy, not like fur. Uh-huh. You know, and but and but uh-huh. they said that the legs were weird looking, and and I they just they couldn't really just long and stringy. Yeah, the, like long hair hanging all over this thing's body, and uh, and that it was blonde, and 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 that that, that it was actually uh, the creature itself was was very uh, statuesque, and the way they were describing it, I was like, are you sure you weren't just daydreaming? It was a blonde, it was a girl or something. You just, you've been out in the swamp too long, Cliff. And he was like, no, 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 you know? And he's like, no, it was a creature, you know? And it definitely wasn't a female. And I was like, okay, well, you blonde hair. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? And so he, he was trying to t- describe it to me and we, we were in a bar, you know, and this was years ago. And he told me that, you know, he goes, it was a, it was a, 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 a monster, you know, kind of like the Honey Island Swamp Monster. When he said that, that looking back on that, that was the first time in my life. I was probably in my twenties when he told me that, and I was like, I had never heard of the Honey Island Swamp Monster up to that point. And then years later, I heard about it again. All right, folks. So that's all the time we have for today. Um, tune in this coming Friday next week as we finish up with part two with Dana Holyfield talking about the Honey Island Swamp Monster. See ya.